CBC 2 on in the background. I hope that's not too loud. Uh, oh, my God. Sunday, beautiful day, June 7th. Yesterday were all the uh, D-Day postings, uh, as well as uh, things about the demonstrations uh, in the States. Oh, man, there's so much to say. I, I feel a little hurried, and uh, I don't want to be. It's, it's better if I just calm down. Let's get going slowly here. I think this would be Dixon Jane's podcast number 793. Uh, and I've already given you the date. It's a beautiful, beautiful Sunday. And of course, I'm here in the road trek. I had a couple of visits from my cat. Um, the second one was quite neat. She climbed on the engine hood and really wanted to get in. I had my back to her. And she realized, gee, if she could get herself partly onto the mirror, which sticks out from the car. I don't know how the hell she did it. Front legs on the mirror, I guess. The rear legs. Oh, man, I cannot see how she did it. But anyway, she was able to get in through the uh, passenger side window. So uh, we had our lovely visit, as always. I love that cat. Now, listen, I, I want to make uh, an announcement here before I forget. Oh, let me turn this baby down. Um, I had a discussion uh, with a friend, uh, I'll say it, Jason from Tennessee, about uh, Jesus. It wasn't a deep discussion, just the topic came up, I guess. And um, I think he suggested I talk about it, not quite sure how it came about, but I did. And so the end of this podcast is going to be a 21-minute talk of me uh, talking about my relationship with uh, Jesus. So that's just, I don't know whether it's a warning or, you know, or whatever. Um, I didn't rehearse it. I didn't know what I was going to say. And and I, I, I love doing things that way because it's, you know, I'm finding out uh, the same way you might be. Uh, because you don't know until you say something, and especially if you just, it's not preconceived. It's not, okay, here's a message i got to get out. It's not like giving a speech. It's uh, a verbal mind dump. Um, you know, it's, uh, what do you call it when it's unstructured? You know what I mean. Stream of consciousness, I guess, yeah. yeah which is what a lot of this podcast is. Anyway, that's at the very end, and I would really welcome anybody else who wants to record a clip and tell me what they think about either what I said or what their feelings are about uh, this uh, biblical figure, Jesus. Some might call it a historical figure. I don't know. Um, Please, engage. That was really the purpose of doing it, to engage with people. So... um, I think I was moved when I saw so many of the demonstrations that are happening around the world, but especially in the States, uh, by um, and talks by black preachers who were just devout. I mean, they were believers. And um, for some of them, it was, it was quite inspiring hearing them, you know, to have that much faith. Wow. Uh, that's not a faith that I hold. But uh, anyway... That's at the end, okay? Now we're at the beginning. That part's already been recorded. It's in the can, so to speak. So what did I want to talk about today? Uh, Yesterday, I went for a walk to uh, uh, Guildwood Park. Um, You've heard I've podcast from there before. John Meadows has posted pictures from there. It's a lovely little place here in Scarborough, uh, down overlooking. It's up on the Scarborough Bluffs, so it's overlooking Lake Ontario. And uh, there's lots of statues and a Greek theater and things around there, which are interesting. But a very nice place for a walk in the fresh air. And um, I sat on a bench 
in the sunshine. And I thought, okay, no iPhone, no podcast, nothing. Just me sitting on the bench. In an attempt to sort of ask myself, who are you? And that may sound very, very silly, certainly self-indulgent. But I really thought I could somehow objectively step outside myself and look down on this figure on the bench and know, find out something about who are you. And I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's really... I've been questioning a lot. I've had discussions and differences with uh, both my sons on a number of issues and realized, oh boy, there's probably a lot of things about their dad if, if they knew they wouldn't like and the things they do know they might not like. But I wanted to get a sense of m- myself. Okay, like, you know, there's a part of me that knows from people I've met and people I know that I'm actually a, a, a nice guy. Let's just say that, a nice guy, a, a good person. But inwardly, if there's just so much doubt on that, that, you know, I remember I got a note. I found a note. Somebody sent me, said, oh, you're all heart, Ken. Uh, no, no, not at all. You got, you, got, you got it all wrong. You know, you don't know me. So anyway, um, what happened was I couldn't come up with any answers. I tried really hard. There was no way I could detach myself from myself and look down and see, you know, get some sort of an observation. And my son is always saying, Dad, you always make it about you. And I realized, wow, this is the ultimate in trying to make it about you, sitting on a bench saying, who am I? You know, prove to me you're a nice guy. Um, And instead, I thought about my wife and my son back at home, that were more important right now than me trying to figure out who I was. And I got up and left and went home, and we had a a wonderful evening. Um, my wife had gone out, and she came home with this huge, beautiful chocolate cake with strawberries on top and chocolate from a Chinese bakery. It was really delicious. I posted pictures uh, on Discord anyway. Um... And we had, she had marinated some pork chops. They were huge. I barbecued the pork. My son and I, or I had gone out and got uh, our propane tanks filled um, and barbecued that. And then she we, she made some, she wanted yaki onigiri. And I said, it's too hard to do on the barbecue because it'll just stick and fall. So she used a frying pan and made yaki onigiri, which, you know, Japanese rice ball shaped in the triangle, you know, only when you, when you, when you fry them and sort of scorch the outside edge, they are so good. So that was our supper. And then together we watched uh, Daniel Craig in Layer Cake, a movie he made before he became James Bond. Uh, disturbing film, but just nice time with uh, my wife and son. And that's, uh, that's, that was the result of me sitting on a bench what the hell are you talking about? What 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 is your life? Your life is not about you. It's about the sort of the situation you're in. And here I am. Wow, how lucky am I to have a house here in Scarborough and uh, a wife and uh, one son remaining with us while he's unemployed uh, to come home to. So uh, that was that. Okay, I think I'm going to um, pause after that. That was only eight minutes, but. Uh, I don't know what my next topic is, and I don't want to just blabble, blabble on. So uh, I'll be right back, maybe. Uh, yeah, I just remembered the other thing I want to talk about. Uh, I got a letter in the mail uh, a few days ago from Japan, and I thought, oh, you know, good, maybe that must be from uh, uh, the school or one of the teachers, and maybe even a student. And uh, no, it was from the desk of Dave Olson. Now, I knew Dave Olson as Uncle Weed, uh, who used to podcast and uh, story write and a man of many talents. And um, he put himself out there and they were quite... Amazing stories. There, there were some, I guess, the Uncle Weed stories about 
Oh, a lot of weed. And uh, I've never met Dave. He was living in Vancouver. And I think our, our path, I think we have some friends in common and our paths were close, but we never quite connected. And then uh, he had um, some kind of, I, I don't know, I've got to be careful here, but I don't know whether it was a breakdown or a health issue, health scares, serious health scares that really put him out of commission for a while. And uh, But gradually, over time, and I think it was quite considerable time, he um, he came back. And then next thing, he's in Japan, and he's getting married to this wonderful woman and starting another entirely new life. And uh, the wedding was quite something. Uh, wow. I mean, the pictures were just uh, amazing, uh, traditional, and uh, I think, you know, I think he was in full kilt and things. Uh, if you if you have ever followed Dave, uh, you'll see pictures of him at all stages in his life, looking completely different in every one of them. Uh, it's quite amazing. So it's I mean you could you could take the Scarborough dude and dial it up, you know you know ten notches way past uh, the things I've done, and uh, you'd come up with uh, Uncle Weed here. So anyway, the letter was from him. And I'm going to read it out to you. There's a nice little card attached to it. Wonderful little, like a, a business card, except it's a square. Uh, we've got uh, gravellybeach at gmail.com. That's a phone number. There's daveostory.com. I should check that out again. Um, and then the what I got was a card. Now, it's a print of a painting he had made. Uh, you know, a simple painting, but it looked like a little village store. He calls it a goat farm. And then a big blue sky and a big yellowish orangey ginkgo tree. Uh, so that in itself is unique. And of course his stamp, the desk of Dave Olson, always be kind is the motto underneath it. And Uncle Weed in the middle. So it's visually it's a treat, as, it, as are all the things he produces. Uh, yeah, the painting is a rural uh, goat farm in Okayama. And then that is the ginkgo tree. So here is the uh, the message typed on the back. And again, this was just this is not something I subscribed to or asked for. This was uh, Dave sending cards out around the world to people. Dear dude, yes, indeed, we create for fun and personal enjoyment. And as I am wont to say, personal archaeology or future capsules of a kind. However, this is my pleasant reminder, entirely unneeded, of course, and poorly typed, that your diligent and pleasant chronicling of your extraordinary life serves the noble purpose, yes, noble, of inspiring others to casually step out the door even if only as far as driveway or park or to Nigeria or Japan, etc., etc., and live a deliberate and curious life. We are the stories we share, and your branches reach far. Now, I would ask you to go back and listen again. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll just copy-paste the whole thing again. But in particular... That uh, referring to sort of the what I do, the you know the I guess the Dixon Jane Zine at one point maybe, and uh, the podcast as personal archaeology or future capsules, and I think that's uh, that's just a wonderful way to put it. But just to have this come out of the blue on one of those many days I get when I wonder what is the purpose of Dixon Jane's and does anybody listen? Does anybody care? And just sort of need that perking up. This perked me right up. So quite, quite wonderful. Serves a noble purpose of inspiring others to casually step out the door, uh, etc., and live a deliberate and curious life. A deliberate and curious life. What a wonderful choice of words. We are the stories we share, and your branches reach far. Thank you, Dave Olson, Uncle Weed. Uh, and, um, yeah, I'm very happy to share that with my Dixon Jeans listeners. Catch you later, folks. Bye for now.
here you go. And here we are. Um, this would be the middle of the podcast. It's going to end with the, um, a 20-minute talk about my relationship with Jesus. So that's a, a forewarning. Uh, and I'm hoping some people listen to it and uh, maybe even send in an audio clip back if you uh, feel so inclined. doesn't have to be 20 minutes. could be two minutes, but uh, whatever. But, um, yeah, it's something I did a week ago. And then I had finished this podcast. This is uh, Dixon James number 793. I recorded a clip in uh, Bluffers Park, Beachside. But I had had a toke. First toke in probably four months. And, you know, the mind wandered a little bit. My speech got a little slurry. And I decided even though there are certain parts I would like to have shared, to just take the whole thing out altogether. I don't do editing, you know, pull out a piece here and there, not as a rule. But it was easier to take the whole 20-minute clip and say, fuck it, you know, give you something else. So now, I'm. Uh, th- that's what this is. This is the middle clip. And it is uh, Thursday afternoon, probably just after 2. This would be June the 10th, I think. 11th. And, um, yeah, so I got stuff to share, stuff to say. I've been observing, so many of my friends are always seem to be buying things. Jason in particular, Tennessee Jason, you know, from, uh, well, he does eBay a lot. And actually, no, he does, you know, your Salvation Army equivalents, whatever. He just finds cheap deals on uh, radios and uh, bags and talks about them. Uh, But others seem to be ordering things all the time. And for a while, my son was, oh, my God, watches, you know, and just stuff he didn't need. And it's just foreign to me. Uh, But occasionally, like this Robert Mitchum book, hey, I really want that. Get it online. And uh, I haven't been sharing it with you. You know, I thought I'd be reading out clips. Every page is of interest to me. I, I just, this has been the greatest purchase. I'm on page 412 now. It's a uh, it's a big sucker. Where's it finished? Five hundred, yeah, about five hundred and forty or so. Um, and it's been fantastic. It's really well written and so much information. And in particular, I think I might have mentioned just the details about the movies and who he was making with and what was happening on set, and more about other actors and who he's hanging out with. You know. And he was, they all admired him. He, he was an incredible actor. It's, he made it look easy. Like, and his performance was always good. Everybody he worked with, every director said, this guy's amazing. He shows up, he'll be drunk all night and then show up the next day and he knows his lines and he's on, on time. And of course, there's always exceptions. Sometimes he would just take off and get drunk. Uh, but an incredible character. Uh, the way he sort of comes across on screen, he seemed to have been very much that way in real life. So I am still enamored. I've been looking. He put out an album of clips on music. It's not very good. And then another album uh, of uh, sort of country tunes. And I'm tempted, you know, in my infatuation for Robert Mitchum to, well, I'll just buy the album too. But um, I've listened to enough of it to know, no, you're not going to play that. It's not very good. It just happens to be Robert Mitchum. The, the big, he did have a big hit with uh, Thunder Road. That was the name of the movie he sort of directed and uh, put on. And it was a big hit on the country stations for quite a while. And Little Old Wine Drinker Me was, uh, in the southern states anyway, uh, was a number one on the country charts for a long time with him before uh, Dean Martin got a hold of it. So anyway, I wasn't going to talk about him. Uh, where are we? This thing's going on all over the world. I guess, yeah, if I'm going to do update. The, the the focus is not on the riots. It's on the demonstrations. The riots have seemed to have long passed. You know, the, uh, the tempers have run their course. And there's a certain sadness and a determination for changing things and making things better and uh, taking away some of the roles that police traditionally have had and failed miserably at. Uh, so changes for the good overall, but there's a couple of issues, and I'm only stating my opinion here because I'll come across as fairly conservative and so on. I do not think the general fucking public has the right to decide which statues should be up and which should be down 
by throwing a rope around them, pulling them down, throwing them into the water, or whatever they do. Um, this has become a thing. Oh, any statue of a slave owner, he's down. Uh, now there's a petition in Montreal or a movement to uh, pull down Johnny McDonald, our first prime minister. Well, you know, because of his role in establishing the Indian Act and uh, creating the residential schools. So this whole thing, I... Ugh. I know there's probably voices disagreeing with me, but I'm saying, no, you cannot have fucking mob rule. If you don't want a statue up, get a petition going great to get If there's enough interest for sure, then turn it over to your local council, whoever's a municipality or government in charge of where that statue is. Vote on it. Have a discussion. Now, the other me says, you're just going to waste a whole lot of time, but do not destroy them at, at the very least, if the city gets hold and says, all right, yeah, we agree, this was a slave owner, he was a horrible man, he shouldn't have been a statue in the first place, take them down carefully, put them in a museum, educate people about them. And, and you know, there's got to be, you know, find an old church basement to make a museum out of, whatever. But don't destroy them, don't throw them in the water, just, you know... I have no problem if you take them down, but treat them. It's a piece of history. It was up there for maybe who knows how long. And then suddenly one mob decides, look at him. I'm sorry, that's stupid. And there's no point in me being silly about this. But yeah, I think mob mob mentality tends to be stupid and uh, short-sighted. Now there's another movement on. Okay, well, let's also start changing names. I've heard Dundas Street. Well, Dundas... Uh, was a slave owner. I, was it slave owner? What was Dundas's fault? Uh, anyway, it's one of the longest streets in Toronto. runs all the way out to where Anthony Marco lives. Uh, there is a Dundas, Ontario, too. So there's this movement, you've got to change those names. Well, holy fuck. People are saying put more money into social housing, into programs, community centers. The cost... To start, just, oh, okay, well, let's take them all the signs, put a new one. Now, not only that, cities, towns, there was a small town in Ontario that happened to have been named after somebody who, um, and again, I can't remember the fault, and I don't think anybody who lives in that town knows, other than the people who do the research, say, well, let's let's check into this. What did this guy do? Um, probably a slave owner, uh, but whatever. Change the town's name. Can't have that name anymore. Well, the fucking cost of everything involved to change these names. Educate the people, yes, but don't fucking... Anyway, I know... I know what? I know it just bugs the hell out of me. and, And I know probably my overall outlook is far more conservative than a lot of people think the Scarborough dude is, and it's probably family heritage, and you certainly that would be a part of it. Um, the just, no. Educate, yes, but just not this fucking reactionary move. This, this sort of take things away from what's important. Anyway, I don't want to have this fucking conversation. Jesus. All right. Um, how to communicate like a Buddhist. This is a daily om. And I found this. There, there was a course. You could pay $20, $30, or $50. Whatever suits you best. Um, and this came up as a course, an eight-week course, which you could pay for. And the topic was conscious communication how to communicate like a Buddhist. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. So what are, what, what are some of the qualities? What would you need to learn to do? So to speak concisely, clearly, and consciously without anxiety. Ooh, that sounds good. Boy, I could do some of that. To respond instead of react. Oh, put me in for that one. Boy, oh boy, because I respond. I, I, I mean, I react. I don't respond properly. To speak in a way that's kind, honest, and helpful. God damn, I need help with that, too. I don't do that, do I? To know when to speak and when to stay quiet. I could do a little help there. To stay engaged when listening. Well, usually, I can't. Well, no, no, I don't do that one either. To express yourself so that others can hear you. Well, I make sure of that. <laughs> 
That one I've got. Okay, don't need that chapter. Uh, to nip potential problems in the bud before they become meltdowns. I think I do that. I think I do that. To be comfortable in silence, no longer needing to fill the space. And I definitely can do that. Okay, last year I can do. So, all right. You know, some of that be worthwhile. Uh, notes from February 1st, 2020. There's an intelligence behind the things that exist in the universe. And uh, ah, we're not going to talk about that. We've already talked about Jesus. T- January 18th, 2019, a year and a half ago. Uh, if you are willing to travel around the world to meet a teacher, one will appear next door. Yeah, I remember quoting that and me saying, yeah, that's like how I found my church here in Scarborough. Um, to think for yourself, you must question authority and learn how to immerse yourself in a state of vulnerable open-mindedness. Chaotic, confused, vulnerable, vulnerability to which you owe yourself. <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, that was from October 2012. And, of course, that's Timothy Leary quote. Um, pulling down statues, who decides? We talked about that. A quote from uh, long ago from a listener I used to have called Lost Burner. And referred to the Dixon James podcast as an undervalued gem. Um, it is very strange that the Scarborough dude doesn't have more great reviews on iTunes. Thank you. While it can be a bit of a blowhard, uh-huh, he offers an authenticity which can't be faked. He grapples with serious life issues honestly and lays his feelings bare. <coughs> Sorry in a way that you're not accustomed to seeing from the gruff old man who's been through it all archetype. Uh, While the stories about his glory days can feel a little repetitive, I came in through the Exo Carry On episode, so I don't know which one that is. Um, He is already aware and self-conscious about that reputation, which, for me, adds to the feeling of unpainted reality. (coughs) Sorry. Here's someone who brings us into his struggle to be more human, compassionate, sincere, and entertaining. He has a lot in common with the guys I look to as role models and can really make an interesting listen from Daily Rambles. Thanks, Ken. And that is from Lost Burner. So, Lost Burner, if you're still out there, get in touch. Please do. DixonJanes at gmail.com. <clears throat> Sorry about all that coughing. God damn. Well, that looks about it as far as the notes go. Uh, well, that's good. I didn't really want to talk about them much anyway. Um, I listened to another podcast. I, I mentioned before, Drunk Ex-Pastors. And they really are... I'm very interested in them. I don't know how likable they are as people. Uh, they're two very different types. Um... They do have a lot. It's getting the windows down again. It's clouded over and it's cool, but it's better to be that way than hot. <coughs> I'm going to have to pause here and uh, get myself a, um, a throat lozenge. Back to Tennessee When they ask Yeah. 
King. That's uh, Robert Mitchum singing. He heard that song on the radio and uh, took himself to Nashville and said, Hey, I really like that. I think I want to sing it. Uh, something like that. I can't remember the story. But uh, anyway, yeah. The piece I recorded in the park, it was a weird day. I don't, I don't even know if I really enjoyed getting high. Like, I'm not in any rush to do it again. I only had a few tokes, a few pulls off one joint. And I liked it enough, but it, it doesn't go well. Definitely does not go well with podcasting. I, I, I know that because I just, things in my head are so relevant. And, you know, I'm seeing all kinds of connections and meanings. And when I listen back, there's nothing there. You know, so, I mean, you know that. You've heard before, you've heard me from the ghost station parking lot any number of times. And I try not to inflict that on you anymore. Um, I learned a lesson that day. I found a credit card on a bench where I was sitting down. And I don't think it was because I was high, but maybe I overanalyzed it. And right away I thought, yeah, somebody was watching me. Somebody put it there to see what I, what the next person who sits on the bench is going to do. And that was kind of silly, but that's the kind of thought you'll have when you're high. I also thought there was a young couple nearby with a uh, a beautiful German Shepherd dog, and I was convinced they were police. They were training the dog, and they were just there, you know, in the park, um, looking like just a couple on a day off, but were actually police watching watching the crowd. And there was no real reason to assume that either. But these are the thoughts. So yeah, so much going on in the world. What do you do to be right? I guess there is a defensive. You know, I mean, I do. I know my back gets up every time I see or hear white privilege, white fragility, like right away the defense knows, and then they say, oh, yeah, there you go, that's proof. And you think, oh, come on, come on, come on, give me a break now. And so, what do you mean give you a break? You've had a break all your life, and, and you can't win. So basically it's your time just to remain silent and listen and read and learn. And I know I have thought a lot about everything that's happening and, and aware of, more aware of the injustice and the racism and how things have to change. But again, I don't think you change it by pulling down statues and, and just deciding, you know, setting police cars on fire. No, no. God, I, I mean, the defensiveness. And I think it's happened to a lot of my white friends. I think people I know, probably people who listen to this podcast, I think are sensing a little bit of that. Just very careful. What am I going to say? What What do I post? I have one friend who's very, very honest of just exploring herself, an, an ex-Christian who was sort of destroyed by the religion and, and really bearing her soul and interviewing and the comments that people wrote, like oblivious to what the struggle was that this white girl was going through. Hey, that doesn't matter. This is not about you. And coming down on her for taking pictures of the protests because either that wasn't enough or that was too much or whatever. But they were merciless. It was just, it was, it was brutal. And uh, so this is for uh, the person I met, uh, Marie, uh, who was uh, at that time looking after uh, Dave Warnock, the man who is dying of uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, and um, has that motto, uh, dying out loud. So, <laughs> crazy note to end on. I guess there'll be a song for a buffer. Oh, by the way, yeah, I started off on all this thing. Damn it, all my friends who bought stuff. Okay, here's the complete thought. Um, so I bought this Robert Mitchum book, and then next thing, uh, Dave Brodbeck posts a picture of favorite albums, as people are doing on Facebook, and it happens to be the very first album by uh, Love and Rockets, um, Teenage Something or Other, which I don't have. And right away I wanted it, and so I, I went online. And <coughs> And then I saw, oh, there's a reissue in the year 2000 <coughs> with the original eight songs and five bonus tracks. Oh, that's the one you want. 
So I started searching for that and thought, wow, that, yeah, get that one. And then I'll only need the last one, Lift, their last studio album, to complete the set because I've got all the others. And as I was searching for that, I found out, oh, wait a minute, there's a box set of five CDs. Holy shit. And three or four of those CDs, one is unreleased, another four or three CDs have more bonus tracks, alternative takes of different songs. Oh, my God. I gotta have that. So I ordered it. Uh, checked it out, ordered it. And then right away, I was given the offer. Oh, you can be an Amazon Prime member. We'll give you a three, you know, free 30-month trial, 33-month, one-month trial, 30 days. Um, so it'll be coming Saturday. I'm thrilled. So suddenly, so now I've got traders, the older ones I bought used. So if I have real friends out there, I'll keep them in the road trek. And if I'm traveling and I think somebody, you really should have this Love and Rocket CD, you won't get the one with the bonus tracks, but you'll get one of the others and you'll love it as much as I did. So, uh, all because Dave Brabeck posted a picture of an early Love and Rockets and, um, and I guess the scary part is that, uh oh, now that I've got Prime, am I going to start spending more money? I'm going to start looking for things and thinking, oh, I don't have to pay, or it's going to be here right away. Uh, uh oh, is this just going to end up costing me a lot more money? And then they give you all these other benefits, like music for a three month trial on Amazon Music and stuff. Holy shit, I don't need to buy Robert Mitchum, maybe. Oh, they would, they probably wouldn't have him anyway, but you know what I'm talking about? I'm a little worried that I've taken that step that I've held off for so long and may now become a victim of uh, Amazon. Thank you for listening. And uh, please listen to the bit I'm, that follows about Jesus and uh, tell me your thoughts. Share your thoughts. Scarborough Dude, signing out temporarily. Bye for now. <laughs> From a fancy hotel suite Tell me where the wind blows Tell me how our heart knows Where our soul can find some sleep I can see the sunshine Breaking through the skyline I can feel the warmth it brings I can't help but stop and think It's gotta be a place Love's the only way There's gotta be a place Love's the only way Love's the only way Ooh. Never made the wind blow Never made a heart grow Never made a dove take flight Never made the sunrise, still can't get my heart right Only ever made mistakes Still I can see the sunshine breaking through the skyline I can feel the warmth it brings I can't help but stop and think It's gotta be a place Love's the only way it's gotta be a place Love's the only way Love's the only way Ooh. Look out for yourself It's all the rage You make up the rules or so they claim One day you'll find 
Life's not a game It's not the wave that moves the sea But the sea that moves the wave It's gotta be a place Love's the only way There's gotta be a place Love's the only way Love's the only name Love's the only way preface this particular clip uh, with an explanation that uh, I am going to attempt to stick to one topic only, and that topic is uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ, and uh, or in specific, my relationship to said Jesus. Uh, I'm going to be a little self-conscious. I've purposely not allowed myself to think about what I'm going to say. Uh, because I find for me, the truth is more apt to come out if I, if I haven't pre-planned what my thoughts are. So, uh, here goes. I grew up, I guess, with the, uh, the, the image of the white, (laughs) the white Jesus. I, I can't help but laugh when I think about that because it's, it's just amazing how culturally, racially we sort of adapt our gods. Uh, our heroes even to uh, to who we are. So the white people picked a very nice white Jesus with nice long brown hair and a beard and uh, looking very much like a, a hippie. Um, and there was a real connection there between the hippies and Jesus, you know, preaching love, peace, man. Um, but you don't... Uh, yeah, anyway. So there's that image, and, and how could you not like that person? And, and they're always sort of gentle. But then the next image that comes to mind is this poor guy nailed to a cross and suffering. And you go, whoa, whoa, how did we get there? Jesus, what happened? Um, and that's that's deeply disturbing. I I, I don't think I thought, you knew it was something bad that he's out there, arms outstretched, and there's nails in him. Um, but you're probably, as a kid, not thinking so much about the pain and the agony. Was it, what, three days? Uh, and the parched lips, the, the thirst. And, and as you get older, and you, you know, you see things, the... You come into adulthood and you see, oh my God, the world is a, a dark and ugly place. You get a hint of that as a teenager, but you, you know, you're full on when you grow up, and you, and so you can't help but think about the the torture of this man, the horror, uh, and that's, I guess, that's the part that sort of sticks with me now. And you think, well, whoa, whoa what happened to the the nice guy? I don't know, riding on the back of an ass into town and. Uh, you know, just spreading kindness and performing miracles. And see, I've never bought into that part at all or anything in the Bible. So I, I just sort of put that aside. And, and Jesus kind of exists in, in a vacuum to me. He's just an idea of a, of a kind man. And you get these little side stories, you know, yeah, overturning the, uh, the money tables at the temple. I like that. Um, but, you're told about him. You, you grew up. Your 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 family's Christian. They go to church, so you're exposed to this thing. And then there's the God part, and you can't quite get your head around. Okay, wait, and why? He's the Son of God. God put him down here. This is how, you know. Correct me if I'm wrong, but God put him down here to teach us a lesson. And now look what you did. You tortured the guy to death. 
well, that was the Romans or that was, you know, somebody else. Well, no, hang on. That, that is, was his fate. And then there's talk of heaven and I can't get my head around that. And, and okay, bam, cut to the present. There's no heaven. You die, you fucking die. You're a, you're a piece of biology. That's the end. You stop. Yeah, what about the spirit? Well, I don't know about that part. So I'm gonna let's park that for a while. Let's get back to Jesus. So he's always there, but I mean, I, I wasn't. I was brought up Protestant, and and it wasn't something you know. We didn't say prayers at the dinner table. We said grace if it was a family gathering, and that was just like a little formality. But it was never talked about at home. My parents never talked to me about Jesus. Um. I do remember the earliest lesson, you know, say your, a friend of my father's half drunk probably said, say your prayers every night and you'll get that white cowboy hat you want. And uh, so I know, I'm sure there was probably a few days or a few nights when I prayed. Nobody taught me how to pray, but I guess I figured it out. I'd probably seen enough pictures um, and didn't get the cowboy hat. And I don't think that really disillusioned me completely, but, it, you know, hey, I know it's stuck in my mind. That didn't work. Um, into adulthood, being a bit of an insecure person, a very insecure person, I suppose, be more accurate. Uh, if ever I had to make a speech in public, I would, I would pray. And the prayer was always the same. Just calm me, keep calm me down, and let me speak from my heart. And, and it was almost, I guess it was almost in those words. I mean, I didn't say it out loud. It just it channeled it in my mind. Okay, okay, okay. I want to just, I just want to be, allow me to be calm and just say the things I know in my heart. And, and this is not a rehearsed speech I'm, I've memorized. Uh, I'm counting on winging it. But I'm needing the assurance, the reassurance, that something will help me get out the the good message, the right thing to say. Uh, and I did that up until probably a few years ago. It was just a it was a fallback, you know. So I never knew exactly who I was praying to. I mean, you know, I can if I look at it now, I'd say, well, you were just calming yourself. It was just a sort of a mind technique. Of some kind. Uh, so this God thing, a God you pray to and he answers. And, and, and I just, it's with an anger. And, I, and I'm sorry for my friends who are believers in one form or another. It makes me angry to hear about such a God that is involved in the affairs of man, but in his great wisdom lets us suffer and go through shit and die and, you know, give people cancer and everything else because he knows better. Who is this he? Who is this great one? Well, no. So there is no God I can reach. Okay, bam. And again, I'm talking about me, all right? Don't get in a panic. I'm not telling you what to believe. I'm just telling what I believe. There is no possible way to reach this God. But I would allow myself, hey, we're, we're, we're a species that's evolved on a planet through this weird, weird, DNA thing that replicates and so on and creates infinitely more complex creatures and there are more of those all over this universe. There simply has to be in different time frames and so on. You know, some would be coexisting now, but we can't reach us because the distances, oh my God, if we can believe are so far, it's just a complete mind fuck. Um, But to not believe that there is some kind of great consciousness that's evolved we we can see we're sort of at a, at a beginning point uh and very much very appropriately too in this time of covid and and uh uh movements uh, against racism and so on that it's almost as if there could be a, an awakening we could actually become more attuned sensitive we could actually go oh, do we dare think about learn about love are we are we there yet? No, I don't think so. Not in too many parts of the world. I just heard about a family in Pakistan beat their maid to death because she let their budgies escape. Wow, we got a long way to go there. Um, so the possibility of some great thing that somebody wants to throw the name God onto, okay, I, I'm, you know, who, who am I to deny that? 
but it's not something I can reach in my mind. Then you take something like an LSD, forgive me, and you tune in at a level in your mind and see something, understand something, feel something that seems so real, but you know there's just a fog around your brain most of the time and, and, and blockages that just don't allow you to go there. But you know, and I go back to that time of looking at a leaf and feeling the life pulsing through that leaf and really like, oh, you're alive, I'm alive, wow, we're sharing something here, wow. So there are much higher levels we can evolve to, and maybe, uh, I like to think that there will come a time when we can grok, when we'll recognize we are all one. There is one mass consciousness on the planet, or we will evolve into that, or we'll, we'll tune into that. And somebody else might say, well, that's God. So I don't know, again, I'm getting hippy-dippy vague here. You know, forgive me that. But again, I'm exploring, all right? I'm exploring. I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know what I believe or don't believe. Back to Jesus. Um, I'd have to go back to that time in Nigeria. Now, I'll preface this with saying I've seen three ghosts, one in Japan, my uh, wife's home, uh, one in uh, on the uh, Chilkoot Trail uh, between Alaska and the Yukon, and then this apparition, in Nigeria, standing on my, on the well, standing exactly where I was, I was sitting out on the deck and, you know, I hadn't been smoking, but I'd probably maybe had some ogogoro, the need of gin and uh, black currant juice or something. I probably had a couple of drinks, I don't know, evening, but there's this little figure hovering over my, um, is it a cistern, a big water collecting tank? Uh, that's part of my um, veranda. And it's there, and I know right away, oh, that's Jesus. <laughs> wow. Hey, Jesus. And it was at a distance of, I'll say, 20 feet. I don't know. Um, but Jesus wasn't saying anything. It was just sort of there. But the message is very clear. Hey, I'm here. If you want me, if you're open to me, I'm, he I'm here. Come and, you know, not even come and get me. I'll, I'll come to you. And I guess the image disappeared, but wow, I've got Jesus. Jesus is with me. And it was, it was very, very real and very, very powerful and probably lasted, I would say, a few months that when I eventually got up and went into the house, oh, well, Jesus is coming with me. Oh, yeah, we're together now. And... Nigeria was very, I was surrounded by missionaries and priests and nuns and, and, uh, very good people. I mean, mainly Christian, setting an incredibly good example. And I attended prayer meetings with a, an Indian couple of, uh, missionaries who were teaching at the school, but had these special meetings at night, like the way Quakers might. You sat in a circle and, uh, there was always somebody who would lead, and, and they were wonderful, and they were moving. And then the Christian nuns, the Sisters of Notre Dame, who ran the hospital, ran the school, just worked and worked and totally devoted to doing good for the local people. Hey, we got a hospital. If you don't have any money, you don't have to pay. We'll help you with the birth of that baby, and we'll do whatever you need. This is for you. Uh, it was quite inspiring, I was a dog. I mean, I was a drunkard and uh, I, I was just, you know, I was, I didn't reach their level, but I did talk to them. I engaged with them. I asked them about things and I was in mindset of wanting to understand more. So I, I think I was ready at that point. Um, and I guess the ending sort of came when I, I knew I was going to continue to do bad things, you know, drinking and whoring and whatnot. And I didn't really want Jesus looking over my shoulder. I think that it was maybe a little bit of guilt. Like, hey, um, thanks, but uh, maybe, you know, I'll call you later, okay? And it kind of ended there. So, hmm. I guess I never, I never let go of the possibility that, hey, you want Jesus, he's there. You can have him right now. And I could right now say, hey, this is my moment. Jesus, hey, whoa, I'm here. I'm ready now. 
but I don't think I am. I, I, there's so much resistance, so much stubbornness uh, that I have that there's no way I am about to, I, I would say, go backwards and um, allow for that. I don't want to. I don't feel I need to. I don't, I don't, I, it's just, okay, thanks, good, all right. But, you know, I'm a humanist. And as a humanist, I don't need a religion or a god or a, a belief system other than that we are capable of intelligent beings to be good, to do good because it's the right thing to do. The one mantra sort of is, uh, that that I would hold on to is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And that's a good universal rule of thumb. So I'll stick with that uh, and, you know, try and live by that. Um, and especially it's very fitting in these times of, of racial discrimination and, and hatred and people sort of white people and people of privilege needing to be reminded of, hey, the world you live in isn't the world everybody else lives in, and uh, what can you do to help? Now, where do we go from here? I'm not sure. I, I mean, the God thing, there is no, you know, I guess I maybe it's because my, my view of God was so limited that, oh, okay, he's just for planet Earth, right? Just for the humans on Earth, that's our God, and somewhere off on another planet that we can't even fathom in another time, whatever, uh, has theirs, probably maybe much more sophisticated than ours. And so the one we have just seems kind of useless and uh, not very good. I, if I'm going to have a God, I want it to be a lot better than that, you know, I want it to be... Uh, I don't know. And then, then I think I may be reminded, well, you, you've got to have good and evil together. You, you can't have one without the other. And why, wait a minute. Is that just a trick? Why not? Why, 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 why isn't, if there's such a God, why isn't it all powerful that you don't need the evil part? And then I know people could give me good reasons for that and explain, well, it gives you the choice to, to do the right thing and you'll feel better for it if you do. Um, you know, you, we've got freedom and, and that's, that's a gift and you want to use that gift wisely. Uh, no, no. Okay. No, I park that. So give me this great, almighty, all powerful, um, God that created everything and, there is no, the only devil exists is within man, that we are, we are flawed. Or, you know, I mean, okay, go back to heaven and hell business. Heaven and hell are here on earth, and we know people experience hell. Hell, Christ went through hell when he went through those three days nailed to the cross. Jesus, what, you know, what could be worse? And I guess I, I want to keep coming back to that. I don't go to church to pray. Um, I have started going to church, started about five years ago, uh, um, a church with the atheist ministers, most of you know. Um, and I like the idea of sort of a, the community we belong to and a sharing there. It's good and meeting people and uh, talking and that's okay. Um, but the churches I enjoyed going to the most were the Catholic churches, particularly in Quebec City. I had a favorite where I might get a little high, have a little toke, and then just go sit in church quietly for an hour by yourself and stare at the stained glass and stare at these wonderful stained glass stories of Christ's life and death and rebirth too, I guess, um, along the walls. And, and to this day, I mean, wow, what a way to spend some time. I, in fact, I should find a good Catholic church here in Toronto was good stained glass to, uh, to visit. Um, but, while there, you're forever drawn to these very lifelike images of this poor, pale, white figure nailed to a cross and suffering. And I don't think there's a day goes by in my life when I don't think of suffering, when I don't think of torture. My mind will just go there. I, I could be in bed, just going off to sleep, and then suddenly... The other night, I imagined being a prisoner 
and somebody's going to kill my cat. And then I no, that's too easy. I'm going to make you suffer. I'm going to lock your cage. You're going to be locked up. You're going to be held. But I'm going to lock your cage, your cat in a cage, and I'm going to make you watch it starve to death. This cat that I love so much. Like, and I, I mean, I could, I'm feeling like tears now. Like, well, why? I don't want that thought. I don't want that picture. I don't want that image. But I feel I have to have that because this is the nature of reality. This is what people do. People are being tortured. People are suffering. People are being hurt. People right now, at this moment, as I'm speaking, another part of the planet, someone else is suffering in a jail or the, with, Things, images that I don't even want to share with you that are happening. That's why some TV shows I can't watch. And, and you know, it was recently, it's not been so bad, but every time I stepped into the shower, the first image is, okay, scalding hot or ice cold, one or the other, but you're going to suffer right now. And, or you could be, but instead, you're going to adjust that shower head, uh, and temperature to the absolute optimum to the perfect where it's going to feel so good it's going to be hot but you have control of it and it's that fear of the loss of control of somebody being able to hurt you and give you pain and if it's not you it's somebody else and here's here's the conclusion this is what i believe christianity is about christianity is about suffering christianity is about pain Christianity is about torture. Christianity is about hurt. When I say Christianity, I mean the image of Christ nailed to the cross. The message is not the little lamb, beautiful thing, Christ child born in a manger, not the wonderful little stories he told, but it's man's inhumanity to man. It's what humans are capable of doing, the evil, the wrong, the hurt, the horror through all the wars we've had and continue to have, the cruelty, the maybe somebody wants to call it the Satan side of humanity. Uh, I don't like that idea of Satan. I don't buy into it. But that's what I think we have to focus on. How do we stop the suffering? And maybe that's why I'm at a... That's as far as I can go, I guess. That's where I'm stuck. Um, and I thank a certain friend who encouraged me to talk about Jesus. Uh, and I'm glad I did. And that's where I'm at for now. Thank you. Be kind. Be kind. <laughs>